This is Jason Albert, and you are listening to the Devin Kershaw Show. Here is our recap after stage six, a classic sprint from Val di Fiemme, Italy, and it is a day before the final climb, stage seven, which ends tomorrow. Thanks for hanging in there with us. Here's the show. Stage six, Tordeschi, Val di Fiemme, uh, classic sprint. A few things of note, you know, obviously it's a tour and we're well into it. Last stage is tomorrow. So a lot of the sprinters who we might think as the go-tos, um, Fala, Sophie Caldwell, Stina. a bunch of those young, Stina's not there, a bunch of those other young Swedes. So it's winnowed down. I think there was roughly, say, 40-something, you know, low 40s starting for the women. And so distance skiers really have something to play for here in a sprint. So before we get to that, and before we get to the guys' sprint, why have a sprint so late in the tour? You know what? I think it actually is important to have that sprint late in the tour. And the reason being is exactly the way Fist planned it. They want those bonus seconds to be that carrot to keep people in it. And, you know, while it's only half points for for the sprinters, the the sprint globe can come down to the wire too. And... They're trying to incentivize sprinters to stay in the tour and just drag their carcass around and make it late in the tour. And that, that didn't really happen so much on the women's side, even on the men's side, actually. There's a lot of top sprinters that are missing. But I, I think it keeps some excitement when you have a sprint late in the tour, especially if you start looking at the overall results now. I mean, it is. It, it, well, that's, that's in large part because they took all the bonus seconds out of the, not all, but pretty much all the bonus seconds out of the entire tour from the distance races. That's, that's a major reason why it's so tight. But if you, if you didn't have a sprint so late, sorry, yeah, if you mean, didn't, just to finish I my think, thought, if you didn't yeah, have a ahead. sprint so late in this tour, I mean, Astrid's not three seconds behind with a day to go, you know? Like, that's not, ha- that's, that's not happening. And, yep. then, and then even uh, Claybo who had some tougher days. If you didn't have a sprint so late, you I mean you're not having you're not having one second separating the guys either. So I I see what people are saying when they're saying like well, you know, especially on the women's field right now that's quite and it's been most years, let's be honest. Most years the last few days of the Tour de Ski for the women for some reason has been very small fields. And this year's no exception. And maybe it's like 10 or 15 more than last year, but it's still Still not that big a field, so I I see why that question would come up. But for me, as a, as a racer and all, well, ex racer and uh, and as a fan and as a fan uh, and as a fan, <laughs> I I think there is a lot of excitement for the for the armchair ski fan to be like have something to look forward to in the sprints because sixty bonus seconds when they take out all the bonus seconds from the distance races that means something, and I think that made for a kind of an exciting product today. You know, I have to agree. I personally, uh, I got really excited about, like, say, Yohog making the semifinals. I mean, like, that's to me is like interesting to see how, you know, I mean, why not go for it? Maybe she'll make the finals and maybe she'll score some more seconds. But I thought that was interesting. And and on the guy's side, I thought that was, you know, when it came down to the finals with those three guys up front, Yusugov, Bolshinov, and Klebo, I mean, it felt like a real deal sprint. Oh, totally, totally. And you know what the other thing Val de Fiem has going for it? If you're going to have a sprint late, it's nice that they have it in Val de Fiem. Because those are, like I said earlier, those are the world championship courses from 2013. Those courses are no joke. Like, that's for real. And I think that makes also a really exciting sprint to watch. Because you saw, I mean, we just we're jumping around a little bit, but just just think of the men. I mean, think of like Ustigov's last little dig there, running up the hill, like he's doing the Claybowl run now yeah. too. And those yeah. three guys were just mocking up that last climb and down into the stadium, and then that that side shot of of uh, Ustigov and Claybowl and Bolshinov double pulling was just like, holy mama! If you're a cross country skier in North America, like watch that, burn that into your brain, and then get into the gym and start working with your coach on technique because that's how you have I to mean, ski. It, that's how you have to ski if you want to win. Amazing. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It was. It was. It was absolutely amazing skiing. And if you want to be good. You cannot be sitting on the toilet like a lot of uh, skiers in North America do and have their hips back and everything. Like if you want hips forward and what a high hip position looks like, take a good look at that. Take a good look at Claybo. Like that's for real. Wow. Okay. I, I, I got that visual there. So, yeah. okay. A couple of things about the course uh, of note. And yeah, so 2013 is not 2020, right? I mean, it's, it's a 
thought seven years yeah, ago. Yeah, it's a now. long time oh, yeah. ago. Time goes fast. Totally. So a couple of things about the course for me, again, was the final hill before that descent, uh, that long, long descent, which I'll get to in, in a second into the final straight. So the, the hill climbs up and then it cuts left super sharp. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, totally. There seemed to be like V-boards that, that constricted it even further. I don't know if you noticed that. Yeah, but- no, no, I noticed that. And they've done that before in the past. And I think, you know, they just don't want a whole bunch of the collisions and like, cause people, cause all the athletes are going to try and cut as much as they can. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like cutting it so close. So they're really trying to take that, that away. I mean, especially, especially right where you're describing it. So, but I, I agree. It looks kind of strange till you start skiing it and then skiing it in traffic. And you're like, Oof, it's actually kind of good. They're doing that. Yeah. But it just seemed like there were a few instances and maybe it was more, I noticed it on the women's races where people, they all knew it was going to be constricted on that inside corner and people were gunning right for the shortest apex or the apex, you know, (laughs) that is, that is true. And you know, you know, it got away with something there actually is Lampich in the final. Yeah. Yeah. Right. (laughs) She played, she played it. She was so tight to those view boards. I noticed that, but uh, it worked out. It, it worked out for her, but what I think is funny about that is like everyone's trying to get as tight to those viewers as they can. Yet, when you look at the guys, if you if you go back and you look at Claybo's line through stuff, I mean, be, hugging those V boards like like hell is just it, it's just putting on the brakes. So you don't really want to be right there anyway. But uh, no, but it is funny. Yeah, that's that's exactly sort of my point. It almost looked like you were running yourself into a spot where you were going to have to hit the bricks. And if I recall, I'd have to go out back and watch. Like, I think Klebo goes out wide there, but I, I forget. Yeah, he does. He goes out wide. He goes out wide. No, he does. He does go wider than Bolshinov and Ustigov. But at that point in the men's race, it's already blown out quite a bit. With the women's race, it was quite a bit tighter. And Lampage got a little lucky, I feel, because she was, she was really tight to those V-boards and uh, somehow got herself out of there. But, um, yeah, no, I, I agree. The other piece about the course that was interesting to me is just that very long sort of drawn-out descent where there's a little bit of a double pole hill. You know, you can kind of do some double pole action before you descend into the final straight, but it's a real, uh, to me, a very stretched-out descent, which seemed to play favorites in, in a good way, I suppose, for people who just had great run, you know, skis that were running. So I'm just curious, like thoughts on that type of descent where it's a little bit less working. You got to get into a really, you know, aerodynamic tuck and cross your fingers at your wax techs and you pick the right skis. Oh, for sure. You, you need good skis in the run up in Val no question. I mean, Claybo is the best descender in the game, and if you go back and you really study his his line there and and how he brings he carries his speed over those over those climbs and carries that speed, he had a great line. But there's no there's absolutely no question here. Like Claybo had the best skis in the field as well. So and and that was on display. And then also Astrid skis again today were very good. And and you know who else the skis were very good today? Jesse Diggins. Jesse had amazing skis, although Jesse, a little bit like Claybo is in the men's field, Jesse is a great descender in the women's field, like the best descender in the women's field, really. Uh, so she had a great, she had a great downhill as well. She has a great tuck. Um, so, you know, you have to take both those things in combination. But I agree. I agree with such a long descent like that, like skis play a major factor. But at the same time, what I think is kind of cool, Lampage's skis were fine. They were fine, but they weren't like they didn't knock my socks off. They weren't like, wow, look at the skis on, on uh, Lampich. And yet her double polling, there is still enough room that she comes out behind Astrid, who had better skis, and Diggins, who had uh, better skis. And she didn't come out behind Diggins, but she, she Diggins' skis were better. And yet Lampich just puts together in a most like a phenomenal last 150 meters of double polling and wins without... I won't say uncontested, but no lunge or anything. I mean, it was a clear win. So I think that is, there's room in Val de Fiemme, I guess that's what I'm trying to say. As long as you have skis that are in the game, if you're strong enough in your double pull, like there is room to make it, to make it rain. But I agree. I agree. It is a definitely, man, it, it favors, it favors fast skis. Val de Fiemme favors fast skis compared to a lot of other stadiums. That's, that's no question. 
Yeah, and I don't know if that's necessarily a bad thing, but it just manifests really acutely there, you know? No, no, but it is. But it is. Yeah, for sure. Oh, oh, for sure. And especially the way they film it. I mean, you re- it's, re- it's really on display. I agree with you. It's really on display that you need really, really good skis. And uh, some, of, some of those girls I mentioned had really good skis and some other people maybe didn't have as great as skis. But also, I think you get fooled a little bit with the lines through that downhill. It's so high speed that if you're not a great descender, if you're not able to hold the line you want, you're actually taking a lot of air. And you can lose uh, quite a few kilometers per hour down that hill by taking that corner poorly and then also being a little unstable when you get into the tracks over that little bump, over that little tunnel there that they made. That's a new addition compared to like way back 10 years ago. That wasn't there. Then it was even longer and flatter. <laughs> so they're trying, but uh, and so yeah, no, but it's, uh, I agree with you. It was uh, definitely a little different than some other ones, but I, I do like that it's long enough that if you are the stronger double polar, uh, you don't need the absolute best skis in the field if you're really on point with your double polling. So a couple of things. Let, let's start with the women first, if that works for you. Just I pulled up the live timing. Is that okay for you? Yeah, for sure. Let's start with it. Okay. So just running down the top six, Anna Marie Lampic from Slovenia is first. It's her second win, second sprint win in this tour, second career win as well on the World Cup. Uh, Jakobsen in second, Jesse Diggins in third. Mobe Bjornsson in fourth, uh, Scardoni in fifth from Italy, and Neprieva, who took a nasty spill right out of the gates in the final, came in sixth. So, you know, right there, uh, you know, the Americans sort of redeemed themselves a bit. Uh, Jesse gets a podium. Sadie, maybe if she's not stuck behind Jakobsen, gets onto the podium. Um, but I want to talk a little bit about Jakobsen. For me, she skied like a boss, like today. Oh, completely. Yeah, completely. Again, again, like same as yesterday. This is the best she skied. Classic technique and and so stable and so good. And she just got outgunned in the last in the double polling. She just didn't quite have the that speed, that fast twitch that that Lampich had, and that's what beat her back into second. But I agree, she was skiing so well, and how she's executing that those steeper climbs. Really impressive, really, really impressive. And that's what I said. I mean, I made a comment like that yesterday. But um, you know, like Jesse, if you're if you're listening, you're not because you're in the tour to ski. But I mean, she's you're friends with Astrid, and she's someone to emulate on the steeper climbs. She really is. One of the things, and, and of note that you mentioned right up top were these time bonuses. And Jakobsen scores uh, 54 seconds today, coming in second. And Teresa Johog advances into the semifinals, comes in, I think, 11th overall. No, she is. She was 11th. Yeah. Yep, she's 11th overall, and she scores, I can, here's my overall, she gains 24 seconds. So when you do all the math, and we won't go into all the math, but when you do the math, she's only three seconds ahead of Jakobsen going into tomorrow. And we know how you feel about tomorrow, but I wouldn't have put money on you know, Jakobsen being right in there a week ago. No, 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 absolutely not. And I wouldn't have either. I mean, Astrid's having a phenomenal tour to ski. And I think it really says something, actually, the way Astrid's delivered on this tour to ski, because, you know, it pays to be stable. And Astrid is, has been stable. You know, fifth, sixth, seventh, right up there, but nothing too crazy. And then she gets to Val de Fiam and bang, one, two. And now look at her. She's three seconds from the win in the tour to ski going into the last stage. Whereas if you take someone like Jesse, who's had a couple great races in this tour de ski, like today was, I mean, a classic sprint, Jesse Diggins, especially how she's been classic skiing lately. Her classic skiing has been not pretty lately. And then now today wins the prologue and comes third, like has a phenomenal day. But you know what? In these tour formats, as, as beautiful a performance as it was today, it would have been better if Jesse could have just hung out the same as Astrid between fifth and seventh in all of the individual races, and she would have been better positioned going into that last day. And we all know how much of a fighter Jesse is. If she was in position on that last day, especially in this mass start format that they're trying tomorrow, I mean, she would have been definitely a podium. I mean, I had her as a podium favorite uh, in the end, and and instead, it just shows again that you can't have bad days in the tour if you want to be there in the overall. And the way the way Astrid has has skied this tour de ski, it's textbook, really. It, it really is. I mean, 
hiding in there right up near the front, but nothing too crazy. And then the last weekend you come out all guns a blazing and you're skiing complete, like you said, like a total boss. And then set yourself up three seconds behind Tedez up the last climb at the end of the day. Like I said, you're not going to see who cares. I mean, Tedez is going to win easy, but, but, uh, it, it made for a great tour to ski. And now actually Astrid has a chance. She has a good chance to, to stay, to stay top three. I mean, she's, she's in really good. Think? Well, she's in really good shape. I mean, she's been, like yeah. you said, she's been skiing so well. We've only seen her in classic though. So it's, it's hard to it's hard to know how that's going to translate into some such a special course or race like tomorrow. It's a bit silly. I mean, let's be honest. Alptrimis is a sideshow, but it's but Astrid hasn't surprisingly enough. She's hasn't been horrendously bad up the climbs, up the climb. It's just too bad because Heidi is traditionally very very fast up the climb. Teresa is the absolute patron. I mean, she's amazing. And I think she has like seven wins or something uh, uh, up the climb. And it's ne- it's never close. And Eva Anderson also, although she might have left herself a little too much work to do. She's 107 back. And I think that might just be a little too much. But, uh, you know, Astrid, it's a mass start. She's confident. She's skiing well. I mean, she has a chance for the podium. I, I haven't mentioned Ingveld, but Ingveld had a good climb last year. But uh, in the years prior prior she has also struggled up the climb so it, it, it'll it, it's so exciting like you take the bonus seconds out and while that frustrates the likes of Terezio hug for us sitting at home watching it, it makes for a really tight race so uh, it'll be exciting to see tomorrow how how this ends yeah what do you you know osberg is a, you know not so much an outlier right there i mean it's like Johab, jakobsen neprieva osberg vang top five all within 47 seconds um, and Osberg is 23 seconds back in in fourth. Well, I was just going to say gap up to Neprieva, but it's a mass start, right? No, exactly. Uh, yeah, so so where do you think maybe, you know, if you're in her brain right now thinking like, ah, oh, where do I find those 23 seconds the past week? Where did things go awry? I mean, I think it's so hard to say with Ingveld because she hadn't raced all year. <laughs> so I think Ingveld's had just a phenomenal race in general. I think I think she had some really bad luck in that classic race, breaking her pole at an inopportune time. But at the end of the day, at the end of the mm-hmm. day, how many seconds did she lose there? Not that many, right? Um, but uh, sprinting, I mean, I think, I think. In fact, yeah, she may have it, gained that's seconds. That's true. That's true. If, if if you look at Ingveld, where she where it all went wrong was the sprint in Linzaheide. It's a tour de ski sprint. She's been second in the tour. De, she's been second in the Olympics in a skate sprint. The Linzaheide course has been kind to her in the past, uh, also in sprinting, not just in distance. And she doesn't even qualify in the women's field in a tour. Yeah, I'm looking at that right now. Thirty second. Yeah, in in the tour de ski. I mean that that's just that's where if 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 she doesn't climb onto the tour de ski podium, she can look back and say, well, you know what? Maybe not having raced, uh, not not being allowed to race till the tour de ski, that cost me a tour podium because I just wasn't sharp enough for that first sprint. Because everything else, she skied phenomenally well. So, but that 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 could be something that have uh, might come back to haunt her. I, I'm just. I'm really curious because tomorrow, if Ingveld can race with some patience, it's a mass start. If she could just hang with the group that she's with, which hopefully is everybody except Teresa, uh, and wait till the la- after the last deep pitch out on that Alptrimis. So you have all these switchbacks, and the, ste- the steep pitches are so steep. They're over 30%. Some are like 36%. You're not passing anybody on those. And then through the through the switchbacks, through the, the Alpine gates, it's so narrow. You're double pulling through there, essentially. You can't pass anybody there. So uh, really, the best strategy is to do absolutely no work down, down to the hill. Uh, the first part of the hill is very wide open, but it's a really dangerous 800 meters or a kilometer because it's so wide. And not that steep. It's fairly gradual. But I mean, if you try and do stupid passes there and get flooded with lactate, like then you hit a wall of 28% grade, you're done. There's your race. It's over. You're hobbling to the finish. So you don't want to do that. And if Ingveld could really be patient and just wait and wait and wait to that last 800, 900 meters of the race, after the last steep pitch, there's three big walls out there. And once those walls are over, if you could just wait till then, she could get a podium if she if she solves the climb properly. Same with Astrid, actually. Um, but if but if you just go too fast too soon, 
and get stiff. I mean, of course, it, it just, it's like anything. It's, it's like doing anything up a steep ma- mountain. I mean, if you go too fast, too early and your legs turn to concrete, guess what? It's going to be a miserable journey to the top of that hill. And with, and with the mass start now, I think if you can play it smart and tactically, you don't necessarily need to flirt with that line as much as you would have when it was a pursuit start. Because then you had to go because people are chasing you down. You know, they're chasing you down. You're so stressed out. Um, but now you just, you, you can see where the race is happening. You see everybody around you. And so you're, so, I'm looking at the course profile here. There looks like a, a spot, they call it the Directissima Cermi. Cer- it's like 4%. And it looks to be like the last, I can't read the fonts too small, but like, yeah, the last kilometer last 800 meters is that the portion you're talking about yes that's the portion i'm talking about because if people are stiff there and you're not you can put 20 seconds on people easy there like easily you know but because you just you just look at what happened in the classic race we're jumping around a bit but for the men and ustigov put 10 seconds on the field in the last what i don't know one one k one 1.2 1.3 k he puts 10 seconds on the field in a mass start classic race and now chuck like a 4k climb and everyone's climbed three kilometers and if you're if you're oistberg or or jacobson and you you time it right and you be patient i mean if you feel good and people are cracked i mean you're you're just putting an insane amount of time into people in the last that last kilometer there okay so the, the theme all week has been yohog on the last climb time gap what do you think yeah i think at least 45 seconds okay Usually, if it was a pursuit, I would have said more. The fact, the fact that in the mass start format, um, they're all going to be together on the way down to the. Or like when I say they're all, like all the contenders will be together down to the base, and then Teresa's is going to be frantic for the first part. And I think there'll be one or two that'll that'll be a little too gung ho and and pay for that to try and follow Teresa a little bit, and they'll just explode. But uh, for the most part, I think Teresa will get a gap. After that first deep pitch, once she hits those first switchbacks, she'll be alone, and then from there, she'll she'll grow her lead a little bit. But I'm not. I don't think we're going to see a, a day where Teresa is going to be over a minute ahead of uh, the second fastest time, and that's going to be a mass start, right? It's a mass. Sorry, it is a mass start. So I don't think she'll win the stage by over a minute. But 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 45 seconds, I think, is more than. Uh, I think to be honest, I think that's conservative because she's so much better. I mean, it's just very rare that you have a, such a special stage. Uh, like like the Alpshermis, and then with Teresa's track record up that hill, uh, I mean, you don't win however many stages she's won there, but you you don't win that race so many times and and show up and be bad. Right. Okay. You know. Yep. Yep. But the guys top six in the sprint today: Klebo in first, Ustigov in second, Bolshinov, who came in with the yellow leaders jersey for the overall tour in third, Goldberg in fourth, Ret. I always mispronounce Gleb's last name. Want to do that for me? Retivik. Retivik. There you go. Retivik. And yeah, why don't you do the last Russian as well? Yeah. Meloshenko. Meloshenko. And you know what? You know what's weird? We really shouldn't be mentioning that name in a classic sprint. So it's fair to mess that up. Like, what is Melichenko doing in the final of a classic sprint? Well, I thought that was I mean, what super would be your ex- ex- I mean, is it just go back to the fact it's tour to ski? I have no idea. I think, yes, you go back to the fact that it's true to ski. And the Russians had amazing skis today as well. Um, but, but that was a surprise to me. I mean, Gleb being in the final, Gleb is an amazing sprinter. Ustigov, Bolshinov, they're beasts. Uh, Paul Goldberg, I mean, same, he finished the same position in, in Pyeongchang in the classic sprint. He was fourth in the Olympics, fourth today. Uh, Klebo, of course, he's going to win a classic sprint like we've been talking about all week. And Bolshinov and Ustigov, I mean, they've had just such a phenomenal tour, so I'm not surprised to see them up there. But Melichenko, I don't know, man. That was weird. <laughs> so he, he, but you know what? People could say the same, like not us because we're North American, but maybe some people in Europe would say the same thing seeing Jesse Dickens right. in third yeah, in the classic sprint, right? Like, so, so Melichenko had a phenomenal day to make the final. But I thought the men's final was also really exciting. I mean, look at how offensive Ustigov is the last few stages, hey? Yeah, I thought it was great. He is so offensive. And I think it is really cool to see. I thought it was really cool that side shot to see uh, Klebo, Bolshinov, and Ustigov going up that last climb all running like that. I mean, you don't have to go back that long. I mean, like you said, it is fairly long now. But when Kirikov won 
the the world championship on that exact same course in 2013 i mean just go back and look at that side shot of those guys uh sprinting for for the way alex was in there petter and um and uh, kudakov who ended up winning and look at how they're doing that last hill now i mean it's like you're watching something on fast forward and it's almost like how are these guys getting kick and they're getting kicked because their weight, they're such high position with their hips that they are running. It's uh, they are running, it, but it but but it was but that is hard yeah, to go do. Ahead. Like go out there, go out there, even on like a blue extra day, and go out there and try and run with your skis pretty much parallel up a hill. That is hard to do. That is really hard to do. And and get your like trust your wax enough to smash down like that and not slip. And well, I want to break down a little bit of the technique of the running because what I what I was seeing, and I know the exact shot you're talking about, that side profile with all those three beasts running up that last hill, and you're getting that side view. And to me, I was like, again, tell me if like I'm not seeing it properly, but the amount of upper body strength that Yusagov is able to employ oh, for yeah. me, it looked kind of profound. I was like, that dude looks like he's got shoulders or upper arms, the size of like Clabo's quads. Oh yeah. He's a big dude. He's a big dude. And he is smashing down on those poles. Yeah. It just was, it was but amazing. Absolutely. So, well, it, so the whole running thing, right. I mean, you were around when, you know, I mean, Klebo was coming into form at the latter part of your career. So you you were able to see, it's not exactly like when skating was coming on for the first time, but there were a lot of sort of new efficiencies built into um, classic skiing, right? Running. They had the onset of like technique zones. I'm thinking of the technique zone yeah, they sure. have in, it's not, I always confuse them, but the city sprint in Norway. Yeah, Jalman. Draman. I was about to say Draman, but I get Dresden and Draman confused. But you know, you have a technique zones now on occasion. So yeah, I'm just curious. Can you speak to that sort of piece of what we're seeing on the World Cup when it comes to running? I think I think the way Clavo has single-handedly reinvented uphill climbing, especially in sprints, is fantastic. I think it's just like crazy. I mean, I did a lot of classic sprints. I'd been on the podium in classic sprints in the World Cup too, and I was a good diagonal strider. I mean, that was my strongest technique in classic and classic was my stronger technique. Uh, but, but I mean, my herringboning is still like the old school, like a la Helmeset or, you know, maybe, maybe like Svartadal, if you go way back in, I'm thinking sprints or Roning, Elda Roning, going up, going up in that style of herringboning. And, and the fact that Claybo is strong enough and also able to, to have, I, I can't stress it enough. Like, the, like where his weight is when he when he weights the ski, his center of gravity, like where that is when he weights the ski to get that kick, in such an aggressively high position, it's phenomenal. I I never figured it out. I mean, I I tried. I mean, we all tried. All of us were trying that, like to try and really nail really nail that that timing with the herringboning, which with having your skis more more parallel instead of out in that in that herringbone style to have them more parallel of course it's faster of course we all know that but but i just couldn't find that i couldn't find that timing perfectly alex couldn't find that timing perfectly go back and look at all alex's races who's a great classic skier too and the best canadian cross-country skier ever and he hasn't he couldn't find it and uh len too i mean len is a great classic sprinter he's 198 centimeters tall yet he couldn't find that either uh, so it's a, it's a tricky thing to have the strength and the coordination and the timing to have that all come together. And I think it, it is pretty amazing when you see Ustigov today, that side shot. The reason why that really impressed me is because Ustigov a few years ago couldn't, couldn't do that. He wasn't doing it and he couldn't. And he's found a way to do it. But like you said, he is so strong in the upper body that that's really helping with stability and keeping those high hips. I mean, if you're just so stable and strong, uh, of course, when the when you kick your ski and you have your pole smashing into the snow at the same time, as long as you have the timing right, uh, that helps you a lot. But Claybo really is, I mean, he was the one that invented that, and it, it is, uh, it, it was a huge, it's a huge innovation that he brought into to classic skiing, and it is so much faster. Was that something, I'm, I'm off the top of my head, I'm thinking like four or five years ago when that sort of first popped up on the World Cup, maybe four years ago. Not even. Oh, not really? Yet, okay. Not even. Not, not even. I mean, if you look, if you look at 2017, if you look to Lati World Championships, 
that's really where it started. Yeah. So that's not that long ago. That's three years ago. Three, four years ago. Well, I'm thinking about when that, like, when the parody came out of his video of, uh, what's that parody? The run yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, Forrest Gump, yeah. Yeah, Forrest Gump. And I'm thinking, like, that must have been four or five years ago, but yeah, things no, no, age sure. faster now. So, um, but is that something like, say it's 2017, and I think, uh, gosh, Justin was probably still the head coach back then. Yeah. So like that summer, people are like, okay, guys, we got to figure out how to how to do this. Well, actually, we had a lot of discussions to say like, is it even faster? Because Claybo would Claybo employs that running on on some pretty gradual uphills as well. It's not just the steep hills. Claybo will do that on a lo- like a little gradual. More gradual climb too. Yeah. So there's yeah. a lot of discussion. Like, is it faster? Or like, okay, it works for Claybo. Does he have? Is he picking special skis? It turns out he is. Now we know that. But at well, the just time, higher we didn't camber. Know. Yeah, yeah, higher camber, but easier to compress right at the last second. So it's kind of a weird construction. We can. That's a rabbit hole. We probably shouldn't get into now. But uh, yeah, yeah, right. But right. but um, the fact of the matter is, it was discussion. Like, is it really faster? Is it more efficient? Or is it just a waste of energy and uh, you know, we had a lot of discussions, Alex, myself, Justin, surrounding that. And uh, but now, like as you say, uh, when you look at time, when you look at the time, they uh, <laughs> you, it doesn't lie. I mean, like Claybo is amazing with that technique, and and the other people that have adopted it. I mean, Pellegrino has adopted that, and and has come out of that with the silver medal in the Olympics in the classic sprint. And Ustigov today was skiing, was doing that running technique at absolute, to absolute perfection. And, and, uh, yeah, so it, it is, it's just better. It's just a better way to climb, uh, especially, especially at high, high speeds. Okay. So before we go into the, the guy's side on the final climb and how that might play out, one thing of note. So when they determine like overall time and I, Try not to go into this with the women, but I'll try and get this straight. So when they determine overall time after a sprint, they use qualifying time as your time of day. And so if you have like a minute bonus, you know, they, they subtract it from your qualifying time or your overall time. It wouldn't matter. But that said, right. Clavo smoked the qualifier. Did he ever? Okay, we should talk about that. 302.17 and over six you, seconds. Uh, let's see who is in second Pellegrino. here. Yeah, Pellegrino. Oh, yeah, that's right. Sorry, Federico. My bad. But yeah, he uh, he didn't have the day he was hoping for. Not in the heats, that's for sure. All right. So so we have Claybo qualifying in 302.17, Pellegrino in second in 308.13. That, that's massive. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's crazy. Six seconds. I don't think I've ever seen that. I've never seen that before. Yeah, I don't know. I've, to... I've never seen a beat down that bad. I, 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 I mean, I'm used to Claybo now winning qualifiers by three, four seconds, and I think that's crazy. But six seconds is like, that's insane. It is insane, but it also is sort of interesting the way that they f- were figuring out how to do overall time in the tour plays to his benefit, right? I mean, he gains that much more time over Ustagov sure. and Bolshinov just by qualifying time. His rivals, yeah. By having a great qualifier, but I think that also is exciting because it means like not that anyone ever holds back in a qualifier ever because you're playing with fire if you start doing that. Uh, no one wants to get knocked out because they tried to be cute and save a bit in a qualifier. Nobody does that. But but at the same time, it does play like you said. It plays hugely into Claybo's favor because that's six seconds he gets to take on. So when he gets a minute on the field, or not on the field, but the minute time bonus, he's really getting a minute six. So, so yeah, no, I, 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 what a qualifier. I mean, also too, Jesse too. I mean, that helped Jesse. It was a tighter qualifier, a much tighter qualifier for the, for the women's field, but Jesse winning the qualifier like that helps, that helps a little bit. It would have helped her. It would have helped her hugely if she, if she just took out the couple stinkers she had. I mean, that would have been, that would have helped for sure. Okay. So tomorrow for the guys, Claybo is wearing the yellow leaders bid by a second over Bolshinov. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Ustigov sits at 15 seconds back in the overall. And, and and Goldberg is 153, a minute 53 back. So I'm going to kind of take him out of the equation unless... No, he's done. He, no, he's done. He can't skate his way out of a paper bag up that thing. So that, yeah. But our newfound skating friend, Ivo Niskanen, is in fifth at 159. So he might have a day. You never know. Yeah. Probably not. Yeah, I, I don't think Niskanen will have a day either. I think you have to look more to like, like shoot. Yeah, he's back there in sixth. Yeah, two, two yeah, but shoot, 
Yeah, but Schuert will move up. Schuert will move up. I, I don't think he'll move up to the podium, but he'll be fourth. I mean, Schuert is really good on that climb, and he also has a good track record on it. But yeah, I mean, you know what I think is amazing? Like, it's funny it, during this during during this discussion right now. I got a text from Alex, and he and he's saying Fis really won their bet with this year's Tour de Ski format. Hey, because <laughs> we we, yeah, because we've been talking about it the whole time. Alex and I are just constantly talking shit, and like like these time bonuses that that crazy meeting they had to change this whole thing up the night before the first race. This could have this could have been a real point of contention if it just blew up in their face, but instead, but instead, but instead, it made it exciting. Makes it exciting. I, I was under the you know I looked at the rules that they had posted prior to the tour, right? Prior to that Friday night vote before the first stage, and it said that that and again I should probably bring this up so I'm quoting it properly, but it said um, you know I pulled it right from the FIS manual. And here I go. I may not even have. I just want to kind of flesh out what you thought the rules were. It said uh, for mass starts, this is a direct, you know, maybe it's not a direct quote, but I, for mass starts, bonus seconds are up for grabs at intermediate points. Okay. So it turned out that there were two mass start races and there was one intermediate point in yeah. each respective mass start. Wrong. There were not. No, only. On, only in the, oh, the, the there was only oh, one right. point. There was only one place of the whole tour de ski in intermediate points where you get bonuses. Stage six, and that was yesterday, in the yeah, you're right in the fifteen k. That's right. They voted against it for the first stage. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Okay, where did you understand that they would have you know bonus seconds for like finishing place? Well, they had that every other year. Right. So for sure, right. for sure, I thought that. And then also too, they've had a lot of times. Like normally, they have two. Well, they they had that too. Just the first sprint was just for sprint points. But um, in the fifteen k for men, they usually have two intermediate points for sprinting, and the and the finish line. So there's really forty five seconds up for grabs. And instead, this year there was only fifteen because there was no bonuses at the finish, and there was no bonuses for that first intermediate sprint in Val de Fiemme. Uh, in the distance race yesterday, so okay. so I, I I found the whole thing really interesting that they made these like last minute like real cowboy changes. But um, it turned out that that uh, that it did work in Fist's favor. We have a really exciting sure. we have a really exciting race. The only thing I find that it, you know what you know what actually I think it would have been even more exciting had they had a pursuit tomorrow. Like finally, instead of having these blown out fields like they've had most tours, like where your guys like. 150 and then the next guy goes out alone and then everyone just climbing the hill by themselves and it's kind of boring. right right i think today uh, tomorrow sorry it could have been just amazing with the men and women um but instead we're gonna have a mass start i mean it's gonna be chaotic going down that valley i mean going down that like that section of the marshalonga there that trail following the river down to alps like yeah you're talking about the opening few flat k's oh well you do the sprint course first so that's fine that's wide and then then you blast into this it is so narrow, man. It's gradual downhill, and it is insanely narrow. I mean, it is not. It is not FIS World Cup approved. If if you think about how anal FIS is with like how wide courses need to be, the fact that they're having a mass start on this on this section, like a few k, like and you're ripping down there because it's all gradual downhill. I mean, Jesus, it, it's. Uh, I can't believe they're actually going to run a mass start down there. To be perfectly honest, because because it is in skating, because there is no room. There is not. It is not wide enough for two people to ski side by side the whole way down. Not even close. And for a men's field that knows you need to be in that top ten, or else you're screwed because you hit the bottom of the hill. And if you're back in twenty eighth, like that's your race. You're you're not passing people. You think there's a general? Well, you would know. Ever a gentleman's agreement in no. something like this, where it's like, "Hey, I know you're vying for the top eight, top five, even with within your team, within your team, yeah, but not 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 from team to team." Okay, so that's what's going to make it messy. And what I think you might see, or if I was Norway, what I would do <laughs> is I would have a talk. Listen up, Norway, and I would put I would put guys like Holland Kruger. Uh, and Jensen, like Jan Thomas, uh, up at the front and try and get them to hit the bottom of that hill in the front and then go slow. 
once he hit the hill to try and keep the Russians from like attacking. Because if Claybo wants to win this tour de ski, he needs to have that opening K and a half of that 4K climb pretty easy. Right. And, and it's so goddamn narrow that if you had three, four guys from your team on the front, just clogging it up, like you're not getting around them. You're not getting around them. As long as you can have three guys or four guys from one country at the front hitting that first steep pitch of Alpstermis, then that is a huge advantage for Klebo. So look to that. It'll be really interesting to see if Norway does that tomorrow because if I was Norway, I would definitely be discussing that this evening. Who's your pick for tomorrow in the guy's side? That's the thing. I mean, I, I, you'd think Bolshinov, but I mean, Ustigov has been so good. And, you know, even though Ustigov has had some real stinkers up that hill, he last year he yeah. was strong up the climb. And he looks to be, I mean, the last two days, I think Ustigov has been incredibly strong. Um, but, uh, you know, I think it really comes down to this mass start format and like how chaotic, it's not how chaotic, it's going to be ridiculous. It's going to be ridiculous down down the hill, down the valley to the Alp Chamise. Like, you'll see. Yeah, you'll, yeah. Well, wait, just yeah. wait and see. No, I can envision and, that. And, yeah, it's super narrow. And um, so that plays into Claybo's hand hugely. I'm really curious. Like, can Claybo climb that thing? Like, with those two Russian beasts? Like, can he can he really match the, that pace? And that's why I think a team tactic could really benefit uh, Claybo. Really. Um, because if it was a pursuit, if it was a pursuit, Claybo doesn't win. I think the mass start plays to Claybo's hand hugely. Because if, if it's a pursuit, like there's, n- there's just no way. Cause yeah, but, uh, he'll have a lot of people breaking the wind from on the way down and he'll have a lot of, he'll like, he won't poke his nose to the wind at all. And really, he just has to beat those two guys. He has to just beat Bolshinov in the sprint finish. That's that he just has to stay with Bolshinov. And I mean that that's a tall order. But Ustigov is a real question mark for me because, like, if Ustigov, Ustigov really just beast modes, I mean, he could he could win the tour. But I think Norway's going to try and clog up the front. I really do. And I think it's going to take a lot of the teeth out of the Alptermis compared to the years you've seen it before. Because you can't pass, you cannot pass, man. When it, when you hit that hill, it's you can pass the first eight hundred meters of the climb and the last eight hundred meters of the climb, but the real meat and potatoes, like those steep, steep sections and all those gates, those switchbacking gates between the steep sections, like you're not passing. No one's passing anybody. So I mean, it's, it's I, I can't. I guess I, I I just totally danced around your question. I'm not. No, I, you I, didn't. I, mean, you, I, I don't know. It's, uh, I, it depends on what happened. I mean, it's it's fair. That's yeah. totally fair. No, but I mean, I would like I would. I would like to think Klebo has a chance to win, but I have a hard time betting against Bolshinov and, and Ustigov because they've looked so strong this tour. So, Okay, so here's last question, just to kind of get your thoughts on this. And, and this is more sort of, uh, yeah, a little bit of politics, a little bit of theater, uh, you know, TV ratings. Um, you know, this last climb a lot of people would say, you know, it's super hokey. It's not reflective of like actual real cross country skiing aptitude. Um, and it favors, and I'm getting to it, to one of the, a reader's questions, sort of it favors body type. It favors smaller, more diminutive, uh, you know, skiers in particular on the women's side and, and the men and and the men. men, Sure. And the men, I mean, Claybo to me, honestly, someone, texted me this this morning. They're like, boy, Klebo looks really scary thin. And I was like, yeah, I've been thinking that the whole time. I was like, wow, he looks, he looks thin thin to me. And again, I don't know about, you know, his his body metrics, but, um, he looks lean. Does a stage like this adversely promote, you know, athletes pushing the body weight equation, uh, to the side that might be unhealthy so that they are potentially, have better aptitude on a climb like this. And it's just a one-off. Yeah. That, that, it's, and th- it's really a climb that's one-off per year. Exactly. And that's why I think you've answered your question by just saying that. It is It is a sideshow and it's a one-off. No athlete in their right mind takes a risk. No no athlete like sacrifices that mass start in Linsahida and the sprints and the normal races so that they can go 10 seconds faster up a ridiculous event, you know? So, so yeah. I, don't, I yeah. don't think I don't think so. Uh, like, uh, not at all. Because okay. the tour, the tour climb is just such a special beast. 
two, I agree. If I was an athlete, I'd be right up there with you. would be like, this is dumb because I sucked at the tour climb. And I thought it was lame. And everyone's coach skating up it and makes us look like idiots. <laughs> so, like, when I was an athlete, I was, of course, super against the, the final climb in the tour to ski, mostly because I sucked ass up it. Like, you know, and it's not cross-country skiing. Like, it's not. Not at all. Like, if you do well on the final climb up the tour to ski, like, who really cares? I mean, that doesn't, like, that doesn't translate into any championship or any, or any other race of the whole season. But what I will say is, this is the 14th year now, so it does have, like, now it's, it's established. And right. now, that, that, now, that, now that sideshow has become a thing. And, and you know, we, we in bike racing, you have, you have guys that are quite thin that are climbing really fast <laughs> on the road bikes up Alpe d'Huez and Vontu and the Stelvio, for example, <laughs> in, the mm-hmm. Giro, in the Giro. And that's just part of the race. That's just one part of the race. Uh, and, th- and that's, just, and that's, and that's the same, that's the same here. I mean, f- does it favor lighter skiers? Yeah, absolutely. But does a sprint favor stronger skiers? Yeah, absolutely. So should we take the sprints out? Because, oh, you know what? It's not fair because Gleber Tivik and Ustigov are huge dudes and they have a advantage over Shudota. Well, that's, that's, and that's ridiculous. You know, you bring up like the cycling analogy and I would prefer to watch, I like the Vuelta, at least like the latest iterations of it because they experiment with these like heinous, heinous climbs. Yeah, totally, totally. They're, that's the sideshow. Exactly. Those heinous climbs in the Vuelta, but it, but it pulls you in. And I think that's the same in skiing. Like this race is idiotic, but it pulls us in, right? We want to see the best skiers in the world coach skating up the up the hill. I don't know why, but it, it is compelling. <laughs> and, and, um, so, so I mean like the fact, does it favor lighter athletes or not? Like, yeah, of course it does, but yeah, other, other, cor- other courses and other races favor stronger athletes. And, and that's just part of the bag. But, um, you know, I, the first few years for sure. I mean, I was a big critic of the last climb, of course. Um, but, but now it's just, it's a thing now. It's a thing and it, it, it captures our imagination and it's, it's a real show. It's a real, it's a real show. And, and now that they're trying to change it again and make it a mass start, like, let's see how that goes tomorrow. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. In one sense, in one sense, it'll make the, the, the race itself more exciting to watch. But then I think it's going to be really funny if it gets tight to try and figure out like who's first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh in the overall. And that's kind of weird because we're used to seeing the guy cross or the guy or girl cross the line, put their arms up, collapse into the snow, everyone's wrecked, and then everyone comes across the line like destroyed uh, one by one with these huge gaps in between everybody. And you know, it's like, okay, that guy's crossing the line in 11th, that guy's crossing the line in 13th, you know, now, you now like whoever crosses the line, like the guy that crosses the line fourth could be Manifica, who is not even a factor whatsoever in this race. Right. And, and you're watching and, and, a feed, like the feed you're watching, is it lo- like it has commentating? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I'm watching. Are, are they going to have, because I just watch it like a raw live feed, no commentating. Yeah. I'm I'm hoping that somebody is you know having some high-tech digital graphic with kind of real-time positioning yeah me too i hope that too i hope that too because that's been discussed a little bit here in norway not on the not on the uh, not on the feed but i mean it's been discussed in the papers and then the athletes i've talked with have discussed it and laughed i've laughed about it with some of the norwegian staff like it's hilarious like if you don't have that dialed right in it's just kind of like kind of silly right like Okay, you're seventh in the stage, but you won the tour, or did you? Oh, hang on a second. Maybe we're wrong. Right. Like, I mean, from a viewing product, I feel like they better have that it's, dialed. It's horrible. Yeah, but they they need to have it super dialed. Yeah. Because if not, it because if not, I mean, like, they're just lucky that that Teresa is probably going to win the stage tomorrow and win the tour. But but like Klebo Klebo. Ustigov and Bolshinov, I mean, like, there's a chance they could finish 50 seconds down. There, there is. There is a chance that there's some guys that, that demo them. And that'll be hilarious to me. Because, like, say Shud wins the stage by, four, like, substantially. Kruger, you know, Kruger's really good on the climb. Like, maybe Kruger and Shud have a great day. And Manifika, who's had a horrendous season, has a great... He's been good on the climb as well in the past. Say those three guys just, like, kind of ski away a little bit. And, and that's the race. But then... If you're the director trying to film this stuff, I mean, what do you follow? 
Manifica and Schur and Kruger going up the road, like up the hill, like who, in one sense, like, yeah, that's the race. But in the other sense, like, who cares? Don't film those guys. I want to see the Bolshinov, Ustigov, Klebo show. But then like, think of how ridiculous that sounds. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, hey, we're going to go film the guys in 10th, you know, because that's the, that's the real competition. So I, let's see how this works tomorrow. Let's see how this works tomorrow. Cause yeah, but I think it's going to be tough. I don't think it's going to be so easy. I mean, to no, I agree. So Fist has given themselves a little bit of a challenge, or at least not Fist, but the the production the production company has got a challenge on their hands tomorrow. Uh, last question before we go, and and it's pretty easy to look these times up, but if you look at historical splits up up the final climb, would your wife take you? Would she have taken you? Oh, probably. I think. I mean, Kristen's won the final climb, so probably. Okay. Yeah, like that's I mean, proud. Like, I I suck up that hill. I think at my best, and I don't even know if I want to quote this because I could be wrong. I mean, I finished fourth in the Tour de Ski once, seventh, but I think my best ever Tour de Ski final climb, I was maybe twelfth or sixteenth. I don't know if I was twelfth or sixteenth, but that was like my best ever. That's like me in my fittest. That's a season that I podiumed like five or six times in the World Cup that season like and and up the hill like that that was like me at my ab that's me at my absolute best and that's getting obliterated (laughs) just obliterated like but i'm coach skating up that thing like a hacker like i'm just hacking my way up it like oh man i mean i've had stinkers up there man like i've I've been like oh i hate that climb yeah it's uh it's rough so like yeah it favors my wife and it favors Kristen and it favors so my wife is Kristen That's all right. so <laughs> No it favors Teresa and it favors some athletes like Kristen or or Shoot or or Kruger or um yeah like Liz Steven has been really yeah, strong in the past has. like I've Ivan Ivan although he's like barrel chested uh, a big guy I mean Ivan has traditionally been that's been his race I mean he has no other podiums in the World Cup um at all except for the final climb. So he was a real like final climb specialist. If you really look through his career. So that's, uh, yeah. I mean, there's just some guys and girls that are really good at it. And just so happens that one of those girls is racing tomorrow and she's racing for the tour to ski win. So that Teresa Yohug's going to sleep well tonight. <laughs> okay. Thanks for your time. Yep. Thank you. Ciao. Thanks for listening. And if you have any questions, please send them to info at faster or, Devin at fasterskeeter.com.